It is so good, is it not, to just raise a hallelujah and celebrate and praise Almighty God today. I'm telling you, church, worship across the movement has been incredible these days. We have seen more spiritual intensity. We've been singing louder than ever before, and I believe those are early signs that God is continuing to bless us and do a new thing in and through New Hope Church today. Hey, I'm so glad that you are in the house of the Lord today. I am not with you. I am in Charleston, South Carolina. One of my sons is a junior at the Citadel, which is the military college of South Carolina. He has been exceeding in his ranks at the Citadel such that now he is a class commander. He oversees an entire battalion of soldiers. And uh, this weekend, it's parents weekend. And Amy Lynn and I didn't make it last year. And we just thought, you know what? We need to be with our son as he gets to lead. He's actually one of the soldiers who is leading and putting on the parents' weekend. And so we just thought, you know what? We are gonna be with our son this weekend. We covet your prayers. There's also a great church in Charleston that we're gonna check out this weekend. It's called Seacoast. So just really ask that you pray for our family as I'm praying for you, our church family, and you are in for a treat. Pastor Keith Barreto, who is our Wake Forest campus pastor, he actually taught here a couple months ago. He is a gifted communicator, so excited to bring him back. He is going to lead us through installment three, part three of Love My City. I'm so excited that you get to hear from my friend and our brother and our Wake Forest campus pastor. So New Hope, do what you do. And would you just on the count of three, give it up and welcome him and basically declare to the Lord, hey, we are ready to hear your word rightly and faithfully preached today. Come on, church. One, two, three. Give it up and welcome Pastor Keith. New Hope, what is up this morning? How is everybody doing today? Oh man, I'm gonna need a little bit more than that. I said, how is everybody doing today? There we go. Is anybody glad to be in the house of God today? Amen, hey man, our pastor is so awesome, isn't he? I mean, what he's doing for his son right now, both him and Amy Lynn, and they are just there for their son. And uh, you know, the scripture says that we're to know a man by their fruit, right? By basically by what they produce. And they have produced some incredible kids. And I don't know, uh, if you remember a couple of months back, Pastor had asked me to actually speak here at the Durham campus. And then he came out to my son's Little League baseball tournament. And he remembered that we had an actual all-star game that was gonna take place a championship game the following Sunday, which would have conflicted with me teaching here. And so he said, you know what, Keith, I got a real problem with you being there to teach when your son's got this all-star game. He said, so I'm going to make an executive decision. You know what that is, right? That means when the boss says, whatever he says goes, kind of, right? And so he said, I want you to be out here on the ball field with your son, and I want you to win. And then we'll allow you to speak at the Durham campus at some other time. And it's so cool because he recognized the importance of children and the importance of family. And the same thing that he did for my family, because we felt so incredibly valued at that moment, and so did my son. And he's doing the same thing for my son that he would do, that he's doing for his own children. 
And that's important, right? Because you can save the whole world and lose your family. Now I'm preaching already, right? But we have a pastor who practices what he preaches and preaches what he practices. And that's commendable. Come on. I think we ought to celebrate that. Hey, while we're celebrating, why don't we go ahead and welcome all of our campuses? I'm talking about our Hillsborough campus, our Garner campus, all the way out in Kenya for our Kaganjo campus, our Thika campus. They just got a new building. They're worshiping in a new building in Africa. That is awesome. Praise God for that. Everybody watching online. And of course, give a warm welcome for my hometown crowd of Wake Forest, everybody. What's going on, Wake Forest? I have some special guests at our Wake Forest campus, and that is my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. Love you guys. They are there with Pastor Derek. He's covering for me while I'm gone. And they have the, 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 the guru, the godfather of multi-site, Pastor Derek Mull in the cockpit. So I'm excited that he is there, and I'm here, and I'm ready to preach. Hey, are you guys ready for the Word of God today? So now we know that we are in this series called I Love My City, right? How many people love their city? How many know that our cities need Jesus? Now, how many believe that Jesus can transform our cities? How many know that Jesus will transform our cities? And how many know that he will do it through us? Amen. And so the first week that pastor preached, he preached, I love my city. And the tagline was, God loves a full house. And then last week, I love my city, so I will pray right? Well, this week, we're, to, we're talking about, I love my city, so I will invite. And we're talking about inviting people to church. And, um, you know, one of the things that's funny is that what churches have been doing for like the past 40 or 50 years is they've been utilizing their church marquee. Have you guys ever seen this? They utilize their church marquee and they put, you know, a warm scripture on there, or they'll put a nice encouraging phrase on there so that the people who ride by in their community will look at the marquee and see that this is a warm, loving, kind, friendly church in hopes of possibly bringing their friends or their family there one day, right? Amen. Well, that's not always the case. And uh, I came across some uh, what I call church marquee fails. And it just seemed like they just weren't using this technology in the way that it was supposed to be used. And apparently there was a situation in a community and uh, Our Lady of Martyrs, I guess, was perhaps kicking off a service or, or, or a series. And uh, so what they did is they went ahead and they posted a sign called, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Right? Well, this didn't quit, sit quite right with the Beulah Cumberland Presbyterian Church. So they went ahead and put on their church marquee, only humans go to heaven. Read the Bible. <laughs> so Our Lady of Martyrs decided to respond by saying God loves all creations, dogs included. So, <laughs> the Beulah Cumberland Presbyterian Church responded with, dogs don't have souls. This is not open for debate. <laughs> so, <laughs> Our Lady of Martyrs went ahead and took a theological stance. And they said, Catholic go dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. 
So, the Beulah Cumberland Presbyterian Church could not let it go, so they went ahead and responded with this. Converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. And went ahead and dropped the mic after that one. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Could you imagine? I mean, I don't know where this came from. Could you imagine you're in that community and you're riding through looking for a church and you're hoping you can find a place where they'll accept you and pray for you and you wind up praying for the church, right? Lord, help these two, you know. <laughs> hey, listen, I want to speak to you today from the idea of building redemptive relationships that result in extending an invitation for folks to come and join New Hope and to be part of this beautiful family where they can experience the love of Christ. Amen? Now, now what do I mean by that? I mean that it means by the way we live our everyday lives as followers of Christ that we begin to establish a credibility with our friends and with our neighbors and with our coworkers and with the people that we see every day so that we can invite them to church and they can encounter a God who loves them and can experience this beautiful, diverse, multicultural, multi-ethnic, people of all different backgrounds and all different races so that they can come to New Hope because we believe that if we could just get them to come to any one of our campuses, that they will experience real people who love Jesus and encounter a real God who loves them. And so I want to go right into the scriptures today. So if you brought your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, and we're going to read verses 13 through 16. And so while you're turning there or while you're scrolling, uh, you have teaching notes that you've received at all of our campuses, or go to our website, newhopechurch.org. We have our teaching notes there, or this is a perfect opportunity. Go to your app store, make sure you download the New Hope app, and you can follow along there. Uh, if you have it, Matthew 5, 13 through 16, say amen. amen. If you still need a little bit more time, just say, wait a minute. All right. All right, I got you. I pretty much used all my material. I can't stall much anymore. <laughs> you might be in Malachi. That's all right. Just, just find it later. No big deal. Just fake it till you make it. Matthew 5, here we go. Let's read together across all of our campuses in verse 13. Are we ready? Let's read together. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that powerful? This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, but look at that 13th verse, just that first sentence. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And so we are speaking today, I love my city, so I will invite, and speaking about inviting people to church. Now let me just ask you a question. How many of you ever tried to invite somebody to church and found yourself in an awkward situation? Or in an awkward conversation? 
right? I, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been inviting people to church for a long time. And let me tell you, I have come across some awkward situations, especially in New York and up north, right? And, and, and let me just say, I think the funniest one that I've ever come across when I was a student at Elam Bible College in Rochester, New York, we had this personal evangelism class there, right? And uh, one of the requirements that we had was we had to share our faith with three people outside of the walls of the church in order to get a credit for the class. So at the time, we had this little hip-hop group. Uh, you've heard before, maybe Pastor called me uh, Coco Barreto, right? And um, that's kind of, this is where that came from, right? And sometimes he'll put an attachment on there, Coco Butter Barreto. Uh, <laughs> I've had people walk up to me here at Durham and say, hey, uh, Pastor Coco, <laughs> this was my stage name, and this is actually where that came from, because we had this hip-hop group, and so we had a friend of ours who had a church in South Philly in the city, and so he said, hey, would you guys come up? We're kicking off this coffee shop, and we want to have somebody who can come and do some music, and then maybe do a little ministry, share your testimony, give an invitation to Jesus, and so we were like, sure, we'll come. Well, my friend said, hey, what's your stage name for tonight's show? I said, my stage name? I don't know. I, it's Barreto. They said, yeah, that's, that's a great name, but you need to have another name. And so I didn't want to be like all these other rappers. You know, they're like, they put that L-I-L in front of their name these days and like the, the name of the last gun they shot, you know, so Lil Nine, Lil Uzi, Lil Boozy, Lil Susie. I was like, that's not me, you know? So they said, well, where's your testimony from? I said, well, man, by God's grace, I have been able to survive the streets of Cocoa, Florida, because I was in, 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 uh, in Cocoa for so long. And um, they said, that's perfect, Cocoa Barreto. I was like, oh, there it is right there. And, and so, so I've been using that name ever since, right? Well, now Coco Barreto is out here on the streets of South Philly trying to invite people to come to this concert. And I figure while I'm at it, I might as well go ahead and slip those three people in there to share my faith and go ahead and get this grade, right? <laughs> so... So I've got these stacks of flyers, and we're out there, and this is hip-hop, right? So we've got, like, I'm talking old school. Any old school hip-hoppers in here? All right. So, like, we've got on these long trench coats feathered down with these hats pulled low because it's about three degrees out there. We've got these hoodies on and boots, and, and we're out on the street corners desperately lacking self-awareness because we couldn't figure out why is nobody taking these flyers from us? Like, we look like we're about to rob somebody. <laughs> if you're going for a job interview, young man, please don't look like you're going to rob somebody, right? Just, just, just button up and, and you'll be good, right? And so, so we're out there, and we were cold. Two hours passed. I was like, all right, never mind. I don't care if there's two people at this coffee house. We're going to go and do that, and we're leaving. And so before we left, I look across the street, and I see a young man, and he's walking. He's probably in his 20s. And I thought, if I could just give a stack of flyers to him, maybe he can invite his friends, right? And so I said, hey, give me those stacks of flyers. So I take the stack of flyers. I put them in my bomber coat down here. And I run across the street, and I said, hey, come here for a minute. And so he starts walking, and he kind of starts walking faster. And not realizing what I look like, I said, hey, come here. And so I started kind of picking up the pace. Well, he started picking up the pace. And so right before he left, I went ahead and reached down in my pocket to grab the stack of flyers. Because I knew I didn't have the Jesus witness, but I still wanted the invite, right? And so I said, hey, I got something for you. And he started running full sprint. He said, oh, help. 
and took off running. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're trying to invite somebody to church and they run from you hollering, help, you have lost the invite opportunity right there at that moment. And, and so here's, let me tell you what I found in my own life, though, when it comes to inviting people to church. You know, I found that when you have an established credibility with the people that you're trying to connect with and invite to church, it can be a really awkward situation. But here is what I have found. I found that when we establish credibility by modeling an authentic relationship with Jesus and people see that, they will be more inclined to accept an invitation from you to come to your church. They'll be more inclined to you walking up and say, hey, what are you doing this Sunday? If you're not doing anything, we'd love to see you at our church. Hey, here's a card. We've got the service times on there and we got the location. I'm praying for you guys. Hope, hope to see you and your family there. There's a lot more weight that is carried when you have modeled an authentic relationship with Jesus. You know what? Let's take it up a notch because I know it's early on a Sunday morning. Let's, let's go to your job for a moment. Mm. Mm -hmm. right. Let's go to your job and, and let's deal with that person who has gotten on your last nerve. That's what my mother would say, right? and they have been pushing your buttons, but because you are a believer in Christ and because the Spirit of God dwells down on the inside of you, it doesn't matter what's going on around you because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me and I possess the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, patience, faith, meekness, and temperance from the King James Bible, right? When we have that, it doesn't matter what happens, and we can take a licking and keep on ticking and not fight fire with fire, and the people who are around you will see that, and they will be like, wow, how in the world did you not flip out on them? And this is when you know you're being salt, because they'd have been like, man, if that would have been me, woo, I, I would have, uh, come on, Cletus, you know? Come on, come on, right? But because the Spirit of God dwells in you, we don't flip out. And, and I will say, you may not have them walk up to you and say, I can't even believe that. Where do you go to church, right? But here is what I do know, and that is when they're going through something in life, or when life has thrown them a curveball, or when they've gotten a bad diagnosis, or their child is going through something at school, here's what I know. They're gonna come to the person who they can trust. They're gonna come to the person who has consistently modeled an authentic relationship with Jesus. They're gonna come to a person who is living a real life, serving a real God, and hopefully they will encounter a real God who loves them. Them. Because sometimes your message is not so much in what you say, it's in what you do. I just want to jump down into the scripture and just pull a little bit of wisdom from this passage of scripture because Jesus said we're to have abundant life and we want to display that. So Jesus says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background. This is Jesus. This is traditionally known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so he has seen the multitudes and he's gone up into a mountain to pray. His disciples have come to him and they have sat down and he's about to teach principles for living life. 
specifically principles for living life under pressure. Because if you go to the text before this, that's where all the blesseds are. Like blessed are those who mourn. Uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. And so he's contrasting two things. He's given you stress and tension and conflict that he said we would have in the earth. But then he's saying that there's a blessing for those who go through it. And so blessed are those who mourn. Well, because we know that the Spirit of God will comfort those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Well, we know that there is a place for those who are persecuted. There is a blessing in that. And so Jesus is letting them know that you're going to go through hard things. But this is how you respond. And according to our text that we're looking at here, the way we respond, people are looking at and they see. And so number one, this is what Jesus said we're called to be. We are called to be number one, salt. We're called to be salt. Now here's some of the realities of salt. Uh, Salt is incredibly valuable. In fact, it's said that if you go 10 months without salt, that the body will literally shut down without salt. And of course, I don't need to go through all the the things that that, that relates to the bad things about salt, like having too much of it, which is why we, you know, we don't eat ramen noodles too many times a, a week, right? Um, I told my kids, Daddy's cooking tonight, and we have a family group text. They said, what are you cooking? I said, we're doing Asian tonight. <laughs> my daughter sent that, you know, those praise hand emojis, you know? And, and then I said, yeah, I, I got ramen noodles. They're, they're, they're coming. Well, that didn't go over so well. <laughs> uh, But another thing that salt does is salt flavors. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that salt flavors, and what he's speaking about is he's speaking about influence. And he's saying that our words and our actions are what determine our influence. In the book of Colossians 4, 6, it's right here on the screen. Let me read it to you. Colossians 4, 6 says this. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that they may know how to answer everyone. So when Jesus is speaking about flavor, he's speaking about influence. And these two components go hand in hand, our words and our actions. And they contribute to building God's kingdom because we are to be an example and a witness for the Lord here on the earth. And so now this is what Jesus is saying. Now now lean in here, because this is important. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, how we live our lives in front of others will determine the level of influence that we have for Christ. How we live our lives in front of others will determine the level of influence that we have for Christ. So one of the ways that my family has always tried to be salt, especially for my wife and I in our community, is, is through athletics. Right, And so since my, my children were old enough to stand, I've had a little baseball bat in their hand and they'd be swinging that and hitting the dog on accident. And, you know, and I had a little Fisher-Price basketball hoop in there so they can shoot or a football to toss with them. And as they began to grow, I found ways to coach my kids' baseball teams and their football teams and their basketball teams. And it, and, and it can be very busy at times, but it's incredibly rewarding at the same time. And the purpose of that has been twofold. Number one, we want to be a witness to our own children, right? We want to make sure that our children love the Lord. It's, it's not enough for me to just get two or three of my kids in there, right? I now have two nieces, so that, that's five in the house. 
I need to have everybody going to heaven. I can't just afford two or three kids getting it. I need to have all of my children with Jesus in heaven, right? And so we wanted to be a witness to our own family first. And second, we wanted to be a witness to folks in the community. We want people to see that church is not some Saturday Night Live skit. Right? We want people to see that, that the church is made up of real people who love Jesus, who have a good time, who enjoy life, who are down to earth, and, and, and who serve God. And so I've done this through athletics. And let me just say that when it comes to my kids, one of the things that I have noticed that has been powerful for me in my own life has been when my sons see these tough guy football players and their daddy comes into the locker room and takes a knee and invites all of the all of the football team together to take a knee and has the influence so that not one person leaves the room and we come together and it, oh you should see it it's awesome I'm like come on let's touch somebody touch somebody father in Jesus name keep us safe out here protect us make sure that we're a godly character can you say amen and amen it's like the gladiator I get them hyped up in there can you say amen amen and then they jump up and they go play that has been significant in my kids' life as they were growing up because Jesus said that we are called to be salt. But secondly, he says this. He says this. In fact, let's look at that big idea again. How we live our lives in front of others will determine the level of influence that we have for Christ. Here's what I love because I have had the opportunity, like I told you in the beginning of the message, to coach my son's all-star championship game. And we won that one. And so pastor had that requirement on it. Just make sure you win, right? <laughs> and we did win that one. But you know, that, that's worth celebrating all by itself. But here's something else that's worth celebrating. I got to do that with a new hoper named Coach Chase Crabtree. He's one of our guys who serves faithfully with him and his wife, Ashley, at our campus. And he helped me coach that team. And so you've got two new hopers out on the field being salt to the community. That's awesome all by itself. Here's another thing that I love about it. Out of that all-star team, my catcher and his family come to New Hope, Wake Forest. My first baseman and their family come to New Hope, Wake Forest. My center fielder and their family have come to Wake Forest. And when we just kicked off New Hope Students Night, night my, my third baseman has come out to that one there. That's being salt. That's awesome, isn't it? Now when I say, hey, we're going to do something for New Hope students, it's at Coach Chase's house. They're like, oh, okay, cool, right? Because they're familiar with us because we've been salt. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing here, and, and this is important, because salt makes you thirsty, and people want to know what you have, and what you have to give is Jesus. And number two, Jesus said, we are called to be light. We're called to be light. So Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Now, what does it look like for a church to be light? So uh, I was in the inner city of Rochester, New York for six years, serving as a student pastor and an associate pastor. And we had this building beside us, uh, 8,000 square foot building, but it was a drug hub for, for distribution of drugs to the east side of Rochester, New York, and there was prostitution in the building, and it was next door to the church, right? So the church had been praying for almost 20 years for this building, would not sell it. And so my pastor one day, by what I call divine appointment, 
You know, like when, has God ever hooked up the right thing for you and, and put you in the right place at the right time for a blessing? He's like that uh, air traffic control person. Like he knows he's got something here, but he's got you here and he knows how to get you here so that this meets you right there. And we call this divine appointment in the church. So my pastor just so happened to be walking by as he often would and pray. And the owner comes out and he said to him, hey, let me know if you ever want to sell this building. And that man, after 20 years, said, can you meet me here in an hour? And long story short, we bought that building for half the value that he was selling it for. And the only problem was the tenants in there did not appreciate that. <laughs> Right, so, so now you're talking like the, the sub shop and the pizza shop, but in the back, they're dealing drugs out of there. And we could watch it from pastor's office, drug deals go down. Then on the second floor, they had prostitution taking place in the apartments. So now the church owns a building where prostitution and the distribution of drugs are, is not a good marketing tool at all. You think the marquee is bad, this is worse. And so they didn't recognize the church as their tenants and they said, we're not paying you. So now we have a problem because we own this building and we can't pay for it. So we took them to court. This is the favor of God. We took them to court. They stand before the judge and the judge says, why haven't you paid rent? They said, because we don't recognize this church as our landlords. The judge said, well, I do. And so does the state. You got 30 days to be out of there. And you're gonna pay back everything that you owe. And so they exited the building, they were upset about it, but then we took the opportunity. And what we did is we created a few different things in that building. We created a crisis pregnancy center for young girls who didn't know what to do with their children when they were born, born out of wedlock or whatever it be. We, we, we created a, a healthcare place so that people who did not have healthcare could come to the clinic and receive free healthcare. We had a food pantry in there so that somebody who needed some groceries was able to come with no strings attached. They were able to get groceries. And then we have my favorite part. We took a 2,000 square foot chunk and we made a youth center right there with state-of-the-art equipment. That's what it looks like for a church to be the light of the world in their communities. The chief of police came and he said, we used to patrol this. This was the busiest corner on the east side of Rochester. He said, we don't even come here anymore. He said, all the crime has moved to the other side of the city. You see, church, we can make a difference. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. Listen, our communities need Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. Our communities need the gospel. They need the Lord Jesus, and we have the answer right here. And so we can make a difference. And here's a saying that Pastor Benji says, and he's got two sayings that have stuck with me and constantly ring in my mind. And number one is this. He says, lost people matter to God, therefore they matter to us. Mm. Here's another one. Every number has a name, and every name represents a soul that Jesus died for. Amen. That's powerful, isn't it? Yes. So we went on this retreat last year with Pastor Benji, and uh, the campus pastors did, and we, we met for about, oh, almost an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And at the end of the meeting, he says this. He says, hey, um, guys, I'm open for questions. Ask me anything you want. Ask me anything about marriage, about ministry, about raising children. Whatever it is, just, just ask me. And so one of the campus pastors said this. They said, Pastor, 
what keeps you up at night? And pastor took a deep breath. He sat back in a chair. Of all the things he could have responded, he said, he said, lost people dying without hearing the gospel of Jesus. Of all the things, he could have said something about his wife, his children, uh, 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 money, a mortgage, whatever it be, retirement, whatever it would be. Lost people dying without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, church, there's a reward for those who, who do what the Bible calls soul winning, leading people to Jesus, uh, and where Jesus actually rewards you with a crown. It's called the crown of life. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20. And I want to read it. It says, for what is our hope, our joy, the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Listen to this. He says, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. He's saying those whom they spoke to and received Christ, they are our joy. Because how we live our lives in front of others will determine our level of influence that we have for Christ. Hey, listen, I don't know what you'll accomplish in life. I don't know how successful you will be. Uh, I, I don't know what degrees you have, but I do know that there is nothing that compares to living the kind of life that will cause others to want to follow Jesus. Amen? There's nothing more rewarding than building redemptive relationships with the people in our communities and the people at our jobs and even our own family and extended family and seeing them come to church and receive Christ and bringing their families and being baptized in Jesus' name. That is a reward that will never be taken from you and is stored in the kingdom for you. And so I just uh, want to introduce something to you. You know, here at New Hope, we value first-time guests. Amen? We, we value first-time guests. And so what New Hope has done is we've created an online tool to help you invite your friends and those who are around you to church. And so um, I want to, um, to, to let you take a look at the screen real quick. Uh, two weeks ago, Pastor introduced the, uh, the Invest and Invite card where we showed you that. And please, take stacks of those. Have stacks of those with you so you can invite folks to church. But check this out, though. Here is an online tool. So like if you're at work and somebody comes to your mind, God puts somebody in your heart, you can send them an email and it'll invite them to church. And so if you go to our website, you'll click on a button that says, invite a friend. And as soon as you do that, it'll take you to this page where you can enter your name, your email address, you gotta make sure that you select the campus that you wanna invite them to. But then you also put your friend's name in there and then just click send. It's just that easy. And so what they'll receive is they'll receive an email with an encouraging note from New Hope. It'll also have on there uh, a few links so that they can look at some of the message clips that we have and, and some of the worship experiences. We're just trying to make it easy so that they can look at that and say, oh, wow, I'd love to come to that campus. I'd love to check out that church. And then here is what's super important. On October 20th, on Sunday, we have this thing called Explaining Jesus, where pastor is going to give a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be in prayer, family. Let's be in prayer that Jesus will be glorified that day, that people will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior on that day. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. Thank God for a church that loves first-time guests. Hey, you know, when, uh, when we get to heaven, God's not going to ask, um, hey, let me see your resume, right? He's not going to ask about your resume, but how many souls will be in heaven because of how we lived? You know, at the end of the day, we spoke about, uh, you know, all dogs go to heaven or not, and that's an interesting conversation all by itself. But we know that we have been blessed to be a blessing, We've been blessed with the gospel. We have been what the Bible calls saved to help save others. That's the kind of resume worth building. That's the kind of life worth building. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks, Lord. Lord, we thank you that it is you who initiated a relationship with us. Lord, it is you who laid your life down upon a cross for us, Lord. It was you who was resurrected, and now you give life freely to those who would receive you as Lord. Father, we lift up the October 20th date and every date before and after. Lord, may you use us to be salt and to be light to our community. Father, may we live our lives in such a way that we have a level of influence for you that causes others to be thirsty for you, Lord, and may they receive you as Lord and Savior. We give you thanks now today, Lord, and it's in your strong name we pray. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. God bless you guys.